A new year is always a wonderful opportunity to look back, but also to look forward. You know, I love the, the optimism of a new calendar, to rip off that calendar off the wall and start a new calendar. There's something about a new year that just brings with it so much hope and opportunity and just optimism that comes with a new calendar, a new year, new opportunity, new, new beginnings, freshness. There's all that richness that just comes with the new year. I mean, you feel it in that anticipation. You feel that desire to let a new year be all that you want it to be. And maybe as you look back on 2021, everything didn't pan out all the way that you wanted it to. And so there's this fresh, wide-eyed optimism coming into a new year. That just anything can happen, right? You, you feel it. You feel that anticipation as you eat your 365 black-eyed peas to give you good luck for every day of the year. As you make your resolutions and as you sit down and plot for your family what it'll look like. There's just something exciting. There, there's something that is so almost Christian-like in the midst of a new year. Right? We, we're reminded from Scripture and what we just read that the mercies of the Lord are new every single day. So we're well familiar with the turning of the calendar and the, the freshness that comes with a, a new day and the sun coming up. But in this new year, it's always a chance for us to look back for a moment and say, Lord, where have you taken us from? But also with fresh anticipation to say, Lord, where are you taking us to? Now, several years ago, uh, I was preaching back at my previous church at Argo Baptist Church, and I looked back through my New Year's sermons just to see what have, what have I preached over the years on New Year's. And, and I particularly found and was fond of a sermon that I preached uh, in December of 2019 called Help and Hope for a Bright 2020. Now, I'm not going to preach that sermon today. That has been deleted permanently from the archives of my life. Um, but this morning, I want us to simply look at what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3. Because I find it so instructive, so practical, so helpful as we launch into a new year. Now, to be sure, Paul was not writing in Philippians chapter 3 about starting a new year. But at the end of the day, he's writing such helpful instruction for us about walking into the future, walking into what is next, what is around the corner for us. And so as we do that, would you turn your heart with me to Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12, and we'll make our way through verse 16. Paul writes, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on to the goal for the upward prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if any one of you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let's pray together. To Lord, would you help us by your word? Every time we open your word, Lord, we pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. And so this morning, with, with the freshness of the day after Christmas and with anticipation of a new year, would you lead us and guide us? Would we trust in you with all of our heart and not lean on to our own understanding, but in all of our ways, would we acknowledge you? And Lord, would you clear wide the pathway for us? Lord, knowing that that straight path sometimes comes with some speed bumps, sometimes it comes with some difficulty, it's not always still pastures and green, green pastures, Lord. At times it's a valley, at times, it's a rocky ground that we walk. 
So Lord, would you continue to be our good shepherd in every decision and every pathway that we take. And now as we come to your word, Lord, would you lead and would you guide? It's in your name we pray. Amen. First thing that we come to is that Paul writes, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Uh, clearly Paul is saying here that he has not yet arrived, that he is working and laboring, that he is still pushing towards that goal of perfection, that he has not achieved it, none of us have achieved it, that he is onward attempting to uh, clarify his life, to refine his life, to be more into the image of Jesus, which is what I think you see over and over in Paul's life to say, I have not yet attained this. I am not yet perfect, but I'm striving onward and upward towards the calling that the Lord has given me. And it's one of the hallmarks, the chief things that we see in the Christian faith over and over again is people recognizing in humility that they still have a long way to go. Over this past year, I had several conversations with uh, men and women in our church who I just see are these people that when I grow up, I want to be like. You know, you have those people in your life who, man, just when I grow up one day, I want to be like that because they are just incredible men and women of faith. One of those men passed away this year and over this past couple of years, I'd had a chance to sit down and have breakfast and, and just be around them at the church and always try to ask questions about what are their disciplines like? What does it look like for them to live and breathe and just do the normal things that they do? Just tell me about your life, your marriage. What, what is life like? And they would go through their routines and their habits. And one of the things that they would say is that they would wake up incredibly early in the morning for 30, 40 years, waking up early in the morning. They would just simply open up their Bible, have their coffee, open up their Bible, uh, get a little notepad, and they would just spend time with the Lord. Year after year after year after year, just opening up God's word. And they would say, Mark, I just, I just want more of Jesus. I, I just want to know him more. There, there's, every time I open, I, I'm just scratching the surface of what I know about the Lord. And every time I open the word, I love him more. And I just want to know him. I want to thank him. I want to be with the Lord. I want, to, I want him to help me more and more. And every day gives me a renewed passion for the next day to wake up and do it more because I just want to know more of Jesus. Never a point where these men say, you know what? I think I've read the Bible enough today. Never comes a point where they say, you know what? I think that I think I prayed enough and I think I'm done. No, these men and women are just saying, I want more. I want more Jesus. I want more of the Lord. Help me, Lord. I want more and an increase. And so every day they wake up with a thirst and a hunger for more of the Lord. It, it reminds me, and, uh, on January 9th, we will in this room celebrate Sarah Joe's life. And in some ways, it reminds me of Sarah Joe. She'd been playing the organ here in the main sanctuary for over 35 years. Over the past four years that I've been here, uh, is she was, her health was declining and she was still playing the organ. I would see her on Wednesdays lugging a bag of music in both hands. Must have been almost heavier than she was. And she would walk and she would walk from her office over to the main sanctuary carrying that music. And I think she would stop halfway there and just sit down for a little while and rest. She would get to that organ, put her music down, put it up, and she'd begin to practice. Week after week after week after week, she would sit down and practice. And I would hear her in the room playing the doxology. And I would say, Sarah Joe, you have played that doxology, three services, two services for 30 years. Don't you have it down by now? I mean, seriously, I mean, I wasn't trying to be mean, just like Sarah Joe. Like you can move on to some other stuff. And she would say, no, no, I wanna make sure that I am ready, that I'm prepared, and that my art that God has given me is as perfect as it can be. 
I mean, Sarah Jo never came to the point, she said, I've got the organ figured out, I'm done. No, she would labor week after week, every Wednesday, even when that health was failing, she would get behind that organ and she would just blare it out on Wednesdays to be prepared for Sundays. Seems a hallmark of the Christian faith is a holy discontentment with where we are. Always a desire to be closer to the image of Jesus. Always desiring to be closer to him. Always desiring to be just a little bit nearer to him. A desire to root out sin. A desire to root out things of the flesh. And just always desiring, can, Lord, can I just be a little closer? And so you see Paul simply saying, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Reminds me of this past Sunday as we took communion, two Sundays ago as we took communion together. And every time we take communion, I try to draw this out because to me it's one of the important symbols of the Christian faith as we take communion together, these incredible elements of bread and juice to, to symbolize Jesus' body and his blood. But we do it together. We take these elements together. And as you look around the room, it's always a stark reminder that we take these elements together that none of us are perfect. Have you ever come to a point you said, you know what, I don't think I need that communion. I've lived a pretty good life until last time we ate it. Has, has anybody done that? Do you ever get the little packets and say, you know what, man, I've had a really good three months. You know what, I think I'll pass. H has anybody in the history of the church done that? If they have, they shouldn't really be there. Because right? every time you get those elements, when I hold them in my hand, I'm usually thinking, oh, Lord, I am not worthy of these. Lord, I, what? I've messed up, I've fallen short. And you take these elements and it's a reminder to myself, fresh and anew every time, Lord, thank you for what you've done. And then I look around at all the other people who are thankful for what the Lord's done for them. And it's a beautiful moment to think we're all in this boat together. That we need the Lord's grace. That we're striving onward and upward and we're doing it together arm in arm with the people who are around us who are also desperately in need of God's grace and who have not perfected the Christian life. And so at times, even though we wear nice clothes and we walk into the church, even though at times we have seemingly things all together, we are still struggling in our flesh with sin and struggles and temptations to be pulled in all the different directions. But thankfully, we come together and re recognize what God has done in his abundant and splendid grace that keeps us and drives us forward. Then you come forward in verse 13, which I think is so instructive. He says, not that I've already obtained this or already perfected it, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've already made it my own, but one thing I do. And I find this so interesting that what Paul would say, I haven't made it my own. I haven't found it or perfect, I haven't perfected it yet. But one thing, this one thing that I do, I forget what lies behind and I strain forward to what lies ahead. We have a powerful foe that likes to bring up what is behind us. Do you have those things in your heart and in your mind that just come up constantly in your head? Uh, several years ago, Brittany and I took a trip to Charleston. I think we had Micah at the time, and uh, we just took a little trip together over to Charleston and to just uh, spend some time together. And we, uh, we stayed in this sweet little Airbnb that was tiny, this tiny little place, and it had this one tiny car parking spot that you could you only could bring a, a sedan you couldn't bring a SUV you could you had so we brought our little Camry over to Charleston and we parked in this little spot and um, the week was going great a wonderful weekend there in Charleston and uh, the time came for us to spend our last day there and we had a, a nice little outing planned and we had to be there at a certain time and we go to get in the car and to pull out and there's a ladder halfway in the driveway and up against this house 
And so for about 10 minutes, I'm looking around trying to figure out whose ladder this is, what to do with this ladder, because we got to go. I mean, it's go time. And I do not like being late. Let the record show. I don't like being late. And so I, it was driving me nuts that I knew if we don't leave at this point, we are going to be, we're going to be late. So about 10 minutes, nobody, I can't figure out whose ladder this is. I'm in this new place, don't know anybody around. And so I look and I see that there's a tree, there's the road, there's the ladder, and then there's the road. And there's just enough room between this tree and this ladder that I can fit the Camry. We're going to make it. We're going to get out of here. And so I pull out and I pull through and front wheels go just fine. And then all of a sudden the back wheels take that ladder and just go underneath the ladder. And so the ladder is somewhere in the ladder of the wheel bend. And now all of a sudden, all these workers that all of a sudden couldn't find earlier decide to show up because their ladder has been like decapitated. I don't know, this ladder is just falling down out of nowhere. And so we're sitting there with this ladder falling down in the middle of a nice, a nice Charleston area. Everybody's starting to, to come up to the scene. And I don't like this moment of embarrassment where everybody's like, what are you thinking? Your Camry going through these two places? And so I'm just struggling and we're pulling the ladder from out there. I've got my wallet out just like, here, take money here. I, I broke it. I'm so sorry. Just let me go. Please let me go. Don't haul the police. And so we get out of there. And can I tell you, for the past four or three years since that has happened, there have been times that I've woken up in a cold sweat thinking about that particular moment. I can't get it out of my head. I can't. When I see a ladder against a house, I'm thinking, do not, Mark, do not drive that car. Do not go near that ladder. I mean, ladders now against houses are just, oh, man, just wake me up. It's living in my head rent-free over time, always. I mean, just cannot get out of my head. No matter what I do, I think about that moment, and it makes me just cringe up. Do you have those things in your life? where you think about it and you just, you cringe deeply. I think about those people and how they were looking at me and sharing, I need to stop because it was a terrible moment. You have these things in our heart and in our lives that at times they just barrage you or just berate you and over time with what was happening in the past, these things that you can't escape from, you can't get rid of, they're always around you, just coming up at different times and you think about them, you wake up at night, you think about these different things. You think about in Paul's life, what were some of those things? Think about a man who had persecuted the church. A man who was persecuting the very, very God that he was now, is now worshiping. And there's moments in which the enemy would come to Paul and say, Paul, don't you remember? Don't, don't you remember and bring up those visions, those images of him persecuting the church, being right there at the stoning of Stephen? Do you think there was those moments that the enemy would just come and say, Paul, don't you remember who you were, what you did? Don't you remember all that stuff? Do you have those things as well? Where the enemy would come to you and say, don't you remember that sin? There's moments where you are, you're attempting to live for the Lord and, and the enemy would just come and whisper, say, don't you remember what you did? Don't you remember what you've done? Don't you remember who you used to be? Don't you remember that thing that you did? Wasn't that embarrassing? Everybody knows about it. Everybody knows you did it and now you're gonna start living for the Lord? I don't think so. Don't you remember that stuff that's back there? It's still there. Don't you just look back there at all that mess that's behind you. Those bad decisions, those wrong relationships, that stuff that you have done in your past. And the enemy so desperately wants you looking backward that you can't run forward. And so Paul, with razor clarity, would say, brothers, uh, one thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I strain forward to what is ahead. I think at times we have a paralysis of the past. 
where our past trips us up, the unforgiveness, the hurt that's behind us is so deep and it's like chains on our feet and on our shoulders that we cannot run forward. If you remember out in the parking lot several weeks ago, as we talked about putting on the full armor of God and we talked about girding up your loins and how so easily it is to trip up when our loins are not pulled up. And in the same way, so often as we're looking backwards, as we're looking behind us, trying to run forwards, we trip up and we fall and we keep thinking, why do I keep stumbling? Why do I keep falling? But you're trying to run forward while looking backward. So Paul would simply tell us, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Reminds me of Hebrews, to fix your eyes on Jesus. If you're struggling, friends, with what's behind you, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Keep your eyes fixated onto Jesus because we know the enemy is going to try to tell you, look this way, look that way, look behind you, look all around you, look anywhere but Jesus. That's the enemy's goal is to look everywhere but Jesus. But Jesus simply calls us, look to me. Just keep looking at me. I know things look crazy. I know things are all around you. I know the, the storms seem to be raging all around you, but keep fixated onto Jesus. And friends, in 2022, if you look anywhere, look to Jesus. Follow after him. Chase after him. The enemy's throwing, chase after this, chase after this, chase after Jesus in 2022. Because you see, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul knew. Paul knew exactly where he was running. There was no doubt in Paul's life where he was chasing after, what he was running to, what he was going after. He was running after Jesus. I think at times, we simply don't know what we're going after. We're just chasing, we're just running, and we don't know what we're running after. We don't know what we're chasing after. We're simply just running day in and day out. We don't know where we're going, what we're doing, or what our purpose is. I think New Year's is a great time to make resolutions. Not, not many people actually achieve them, but it's a good time to make them, right? It's a good time to sit down and, and because it's a moment for you to say, where am I going? You know, I want to be more healthy. Maybe that's a goal. That's what most people's goals are is to be more healthy. And so they sit down and they make a plan. I'm going to be more healthy. So you know what? I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to start going to the gym and I'm going to start eating healthy. That's what it's going to look like. I'm going to get a trainer, a personal trainer. They're going to help me as I get healthier. You know, I'm going to throw away the junk food and I'm going to start eating healthy in that way. I'm going to go through and, and I'm going to have some accountability partners that are going to help me as I get healthy. And so as you make these plans, you make your way forward in a direction, right? I want to be more financially healthy. So what do you do? You say, well, I'm going to cut up my credit cards. I'm going to have a budget. You know, I'm going to have some accountability with my wife about how I'm spending. And so you work your way forwards towards a goal because you see what your purpose in your plan is. And, and at times, spiritually, we just have no purpose. You're saying, Lord, I just, I just hope that things work out. I hope I find you at some point. I hope I get more spiritually mature at some point. And in the same way, we make these plans. We make these purposes to get to this place. Where are you running after? What are you chasing after? So it's chasing towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so what does that look like? You say, Lord, I want to be, I want to look more like you. I'm tired of tripping up. I'm tired of falling. I'm tired of being in the same boat that I'm in. I'm tired of having no peace and no hope. I'm tired of being just gone and tossed to and fro by the waves of the wind. So what are you chasing after and how are you going to get there? I believe if we have that destination, our eyes are fixated on Jesus. Lord, I want to get to you. I want to, I want to, I want to be next to you. Lord, I want to be more like you. Then when we begin to make these steps in the right way and the right obedience to say, Lord, I'm going to open up my word and I'm going to read it. 
I'm going to pray, Lord. I'm going to be a part of a Bible fellowship class. I'm going to be around a group of believers and accountability. We begin to work our way towards it if we know where we're going. Paul clearly, clearly knew where he was going. Maybe today, in the midst of all this, you would say, Mark, I'm going to be honest. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know where my place is. I don't know why I'm here. I I don't know. This year has been a rough year been a miserable year and things have not worked out in any way that I wanted it to. I feel like I have no purpose. I feel like I have no hope. I just feel like I am lost as the day is long. Why do I encourage you? Before you sit down and write your health challenges and before you sit down and write your financial goals, what do you want from the Lord in 2022? Where do you want to be with the Lord in 2022? What do you want to see happen spiritually in 2022? And I would submit, maybe, maybe it would be a good thing over this next week before we get to January 1st for you to sit down and fast and pray and get on your knees and beg, Lord. Say, Lord, I need your wisdom. I don't want to lean on my own understanding anymore. I want to trust in you, Lord, that you would make my pathway straight. So, Lord, I am giving you everything. I'm putting everything on the table. I'm going to get on my knees before you and say, Lord, where do you want me to go in 2022? And I am like Mary and Joseph. I am willing to follow you wherever you would go. Maybe, maybe at times we just get brought about by the wind and we never say, Lord, I am ready to follow you. I mean, what essence, what Paul is saying is he is saying, take the next right step of obedience in your life. What we've talked about week after week after week that Paul is saying, I forget what lies behind and I'm going to take the next step that's in front of me towards Jesus. So to see it, we have maybe two problems. You look at what Paul's saying, that at times we, we stumble as we look backwards. And if you're in that camp today, friends, could you look forwards? The Lord says to us, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. That what is past has been passed, and so we look forward to what lies ahead. And then maybe we have chased after all the wrong things in this past year. So where are you going? In 2022, what are you chasing after? What is your heart desire? Do you want more of Jesus and of the Lord? Friends, I believe if you chase after him, you will find him. And as you look back on the end of 2022, you will see the fruit of the Lord's growth in your life if you daily in obedience follow and trust in him every single day. Let's pray together. Lord, help us. Or we want to and we desire that our our hearts and our lives would would be razor focused on following and trusting in you. Lord, we thank you for Paul's words that one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, all the stuff that's behind us. So Lord, right now in this room, I know that there are many of us who are struggling with things in our past. Right now, Lord, even the enemy may be putting those pictures in front of us of things that we have done in the past. Struggles that we've had, temptations that we have struggled with, things that we are wrestled with, decisions that we've made that did not turn out. We're thankful, Lord, that you are not the accuser or that you do not hold those things over our head to say, get it right, get it figured out, and then come back to me. Lord, we take Paul's words to forget what lies behind. Lord, we want to strain and strive forward towards you. So Lord, I pray that this new year, Lord, as we're planning, as we're talking as families and individuals, Lord, that we would press forwards towards you.
that we would fix our eyes onto you, nothing else. Not riches, not trinkets, not jobs, not homes, not anything else other than you. Lord, that we would chase after you, that we would run after you, Lord, that every day our deep desire would be to look more like you, that your word would lead us and guide us and we would grow in depth of relationship with you every single day, Lord, knowing that in that you would give us peace, you would give us joy and hope, Lord, for this life, no matter what we face, no matter what we walk through, where we can trust you all the way. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.